Good morning. Go ahead and take a seat if you'd like. My name is Scott Christensen, and uh, I don't know if you have gotten word or not, but I am the uh, new family life pastor here at the church, and uh, it is so good. It really is so good to be in South Florida. I'm just telling you right now. Can we get a big, let's get, I mean, South Florida is wonderful. I know. Yeah. So this week, uh, my family uh, and I have transitioned and they are here. So I want to, uh, yes, I want to introduce my family. I'm not going to make them stand up because I'm going to get in big trouble if I do. But this is uh, my wife, Holly. Uh, Jillian, you guys have probably seen Jillian up here. She's been helping lead worship with Matt and gang uh, the last, uh, I don't know, several weeks. And uh, But there's my middle child, Kendall, she's going to be 17 this week. And then there's Lola. Uh, Lola's our youngest. And uh, they just flew in. Lola and Kendall flew in last night late. And uh, Holly and I drove 3,300 miles literally this week uh, from Puyallup, Washington. Uh, Now, again, most people have a hard time with the name of my city. And this is the city that I was Born, well, raised in. I was born in Tacoma. But Puyallup, the pronunciation, the phonetic, phonetic way of saying it is just like you're sitting in a church pew, although we don't really have church pews anymore. Uh, and then you've got your Uncle Al who's going to get up, right? So at the, the closing of the sermon, so Puyallup, that's how you say it, Puyallup. It is a, uh, the, the Puyallup tribe, it's literally the, the word means generous people. Isn't that, that's just, Awesome, right? So, uh, but uh, it has a strong heritage of Native American uh, influence there in the city. We're known for the seventh largest state fair in the United States. That's right, the Puyallup Fair. If you ever get up there, you'll have to go to the fair, have a scone. Uh, it's also uh, known. All you, do we have any Miami Dolphins fans? Is that a thing here? The Dolphins? They're actually an NFL team. Uh, so, um, I, I heard uh, I heard something like Fort Lauderdale was going to get an NFL team, but then uh, they couldn't do it because uh, Miami would want one too. Okay, ching, right? All right, but you guys remember the Miami Dolphins? Damon Heward. Anybody guys remember Damon Heward back in the day? Okay, Damon Heward is from Puyallup, Washington. Went to Puyallup High School, the same school as uh, 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 Kendall just uh, went to this week. So. Damon Heward, yes. And also, if you guys are Tampa Bay Rays fans, it's across the state. Drew Rasmussen, another Puyallupite, all right? So uh, he currently plays for uh, the Rays. So there you go. There's a lot of little fun facts that if you want to find out more, I'm sure we could uh, grab some coffee and I could tell you all sorts of fun facts. Uh, we, are, we, we do claim the Seattle Seahawks as our NFL team, so careful what you say. These are dark times, all right? Um, people right now are kind of like taking a stick and poking the Seahawks saying, please do something. Uh, so, uh, but mostly the real football that we are attached to is football or foosball or football. So the, you know, the, the Brazilians around here that they're into that kind of football. So we are Seattle Sounders fans and uh, soccer fans in other words. All right. So uh, we are a soccer family uh, and that's, we're true to that all the way. So anyway, enough of that boring stuff. I want to pray because we're going to get into the word this morning. If you've got your Bibles, 
You guys got the, the old school Bible. Some of you guys might even have the scroll. That's okay. If you got your phones, get out those phone apps because we are going to read through scripture this morning and I'm going to get together with you and we are going to pray. God, I pray that you bless us this morning as we go into your word, as we talk about the importance of the church. God, you are so good and we just love you. We thank you for the, the gift of being a part of this this amazing family, this amazing institution of the church. And we ask that you would bless us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, so here's the question. Is does the church matter? You know, I think especially today in our culture, a lot of times we sit back and there's a lot of push against the church. Uh, we see it, uh, and it's not just today, but over time, we've seen that there's been persecution of the church. We still know that it goes on today in very violent ways throughout the world, that the church itself has to be true to what it is, the mission of the church. But especially in our culture, in the Western culture of American culture, we ask the question, is the church important? Does it have any relevance of what's going on? Does the church matter? And the answer is yes. We're stewards of the message of eternal life. And we are stewards of the message of a better life. And when we start to ask the question, when we start to say, well, what is it that especially that we aspire to be as the church? And we're talking about the big church. The importance of Hammock Street Church. How do we fit into that bigger picture? You know, it's like 2,000 years ago, we, we know that Jesus came, and we, we, we know the scriptures, we know the stories that he was very, very popular, that he started out, obviously, as we go into the time of Advent in the next few weeks, and we see that Jesus enters into the world, that God enters into the world incarnationally on mission, comes and lives in the flesh amongst mankind, and from there, he starts his ministry, about 30 years old. He gets going and the crowds begin to gather. And we've seen this over time, that, that great leaders, great men can attract, women can attract crowds of people, don't we? We've seen that even parades, when we've, we, we've seen those, those moments or those pictures when, uh, again, sports teams will win a championship and they'll have a huge crowd fill the streets, and these champions roll through, raising their trophies, drawing attention to the greatness. And this was Jesus. Jesus had these crowds of people constantly pushing in on him. And this was widespread through the ancient Roman world, the ancient Greek world. And 2,000 years ago, that Jesus himself made the impact and other than the message of the forgiveness of sin and right standing with God, the church is given this question again. We know that Jesus matters, right? And Jesus mattered in that day and time. But what about the church? The first century churches, we see that the first century church was organizing itself 
And we see that the stories of the first century church, of how it came to be, and the, the decades that turned into centuries, that turned into a millennium of time, is that the church has taken a lot of twists and turns. But today, in 2021, almost 22, we ask the question, what about today? Does it matter today? And the answer is yes. Even when it goes to answering the big questions of life. And we see that obviously eternal life, we think of that as the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about the eternal life, that we have a hope, we we have this energy, this excitement that when it all comes down to it, we get to spend eternity with God. Amen? Now, I'll just, I'm going to push pause real quick. So I'm one of these guys that likes interaction. So make sure that nobody's sleeping on me. But if you guys want to say amen and get crazy with me this morning, it's okay. All right. I love that. But there's something else, pushing play again, there is something else that is, that is so precious about what the church brings. That is our mission That God doesn't just simply say, I am God, I do everything. He emboldens us and empowers us through the gospel, through the forgiveness of sins, through the new life, through the hope of eternal life, that we'll have a better life here. That we are the institution that recognizes that people are broken. Going back again and looking at the picture of Jesus, that the, the ancient world, you know, that the church that was, was birthed at that time was in a broken world. And we can kind of see glimpses of Hollywood or we can open up our Bibles and read it. But until we kind of step back and say, what was life really like then? Okay, you're dealing in a point of time in Israel's history where it was an oppressed under the occupation of the most powerful government in world history up to that time had taken them over. They were broken. They were paranoid. You know, when they'd open their doors, were there any Roman soldiers outside waiting for them? That religiously, that the Jewish people, that, the, that, that God's people were under religious oppression. That there was never anything good, that they could never do anything good enough. They couldn't give enough. They couldn't be spiritual enough. They couldn't be righteous enough because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, what were they doing? They were oppressing the people. So governmentally, they were being oppressed. Politically, they were oppressed. Religiously, they were oppressed. And we're thinking about a point in time that we think about third world countries today, that they were financially oppressed. They were hungry. There was rampant. We talk about viruses today. There was all sorts of uncurable diseases going on then. And Jesus comes and brings something new. Emboldens the church and says, not only am I going to give you eternal life, not only can you have a relationship with me, but guess what? The the good news is this that you could have a better life. That I'm going to give the church, I'm going to birth this church, and you're going to be the bearers of good news. A better life. And sometimes we kind of forget about that. Sometimes we think in terms of the church itself that the gospel itself is all about getting the forgiveness of sins, bringing people into the kingdom. And and we think in terms of the growth pattern of the church itself rather than 
being a part of something that is a winning team. Now, I love winning teams. I love it, right? Uh, this year, the state of Florida got to, and I I'm still getting used to the fact that I'm still, I'm turning into a Floridian. It's going to take me some time, okay? But across the state, and maybe some of you guys need to pull me aside and just give me the real scoop later on, but across the state, you guys just won a Super Bowl. Now, in Florida, you guys have got a lot of championships. There's a lot of like national championships, whether it's University of Florida or the bad guys in Miami, right? There's all these, the baseball, I mean, every sport, you guys have done it. You guys, are, I mean, it's, it's a regular thing for Florida to win. And we like to be a part of winning things, don't we? We love the winning culture. And the church itself, you guys, is unbeaten through Jesus. We have the goat, the greatest of all time. You know, nothing, nothing feels more secure, right, if you're a football team than to have Tom Brady. And whether you like him or whether you hate him, it's true. And there's two minutes left and you're 30 points down, but he's the quarterback. We've seen it before and we're like, I'm not gonna stress, we're gonna, and sure enough, he comes all the way back and they win, you know? This is Jesus. He is the senior pastor of the church. He's the chief shepherd. He is the one that we are getting behind so we could have that confidence that what we do in life matters. What we do as a church matters. We're a part of the winning team. Isn't that good news? Amen? Come on, church. Amen? Amen. It's good stuff. As Americans, we mistakenly think that human nature informs our consciousness and our values. Human nature crafts it. And often, because of that, we're disappointed. Human nature will disappoint us every single time. How many times have we put our hope in leaders only to have them disappoint us, right? How many times have we put hope maybe in an employer only to be disappointed? How many times have we put our hope in government or politics and have come back disappointed? That's human nature. Because humans are going to disappoint us. Amen? People are going to disappoint. I'm going to disappoint you. Trust me, I spend most of the Sundays upstairs with the kiddos. I love it. It's awesome. But I'm going to disappoint them. I'm going to disappoint JJ, one of our students. Because of human nature, I'm broken. But the good news is this, you guys. That the church, the church itself is built in such a way that when we put our hope and trust in what Christ has given to us as virtues, and we trust in those things that God has established for us to be like, and to pursue, we're not going to be disappointed. Christianity has shaped the values and conscience of our nation. And again, what seems to be natural or good to us isn't natural at all. Natural obviously comes from the term of nature. And we know that when we think of nature, it's a violent, abusive, powerful creation. And we see this in whether, whether, whether or not we see it in 
nature itself in terms of its fury and storms. And obviously here in South Florida, we know the fury of storms, right? Some of you guys have lived through Andrew. Some of you uh, know what it is to live in the Midwest and to see the power and fury of a tornado. If you're from the Pacific Northwest, May 18th, 1980, the fury and power of Mount St. Helens. If you live in California, you see the fury of earthquakes. You see the fury, again, of Mother Nature when it comes to the, the, the survival of the fittest. That the strong survive. We've seen those, those, those videos of lions attacking antelope. It's amazing. I watched, again, the, one of the God's greatest creations, but it's, just, it's funny the things that he creates. And again, when I get that opportunity maybe to have that question answer time with God. I'm going to say, you know, you made an alligator and an alligator, you just, you look at it and you go, I'm not, I just don't feel like petting that thing. I just, you know, just, but when you see a bear, you're like, my goodness, it's the cutest big thing. I just want to wrap my arm. Uh-uh. Right. And we've seen the fury. You watch the, you just, you just, Type in nature attacks and you put bear next to it on YouTube and you'll see the fury of a bear. That one of the funniest creatures that God has created is the hippopotamus, right? This big bumbly, but it kills more people than sharks do per year. I mean, yeah, when we see sharks, and trust me, and, I, and one of the things that I'm loving about South Florida, honestly, I go out, I call it, I call it a beach day Thursday and I go out on the beach at Boca. I love, I just, again, it's amazing that the water is that warm. I'm not used to that. In California, it doesn't matter if you're in San Diego, that water is freezing cold. I'm sorry. They, they try to sell it, but it's not fun to go in the water in California, West Coast, uh uh But in Florida, it's amazing. But I still have these moments that I'm out there and I'm out there just, and I kind of get about chest high. And I'm enjoying myself in the sun. And, but still there's that moment when I'm like, oh, I, hope, I hope there's no sharks out here. And I kind of give a quick like, look through the water. See, the thing about California is the water's all murky. So it's, it's, you're like, either you're going to freeze to death or you will be eaten by a great shark, a great white out there. But, but fury itself in all of nature, it's, it's, the creation is super powerful. And whether that's the animal kingdom or that is mother nature itself, or it's mankind itself. We've seen the savageness of mankind. We've seen as Jesus predicted and said, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be the hungry. Do you guys know that even in terms of the lack thereof, that we sit back and we've wrung our hands over this, this pandemic that's been all over the news, all over everything. We've been affected. I've been affected. I, in fact, I'm gonna, I didn't get that shirt that says I survived COVID. But yet 25,000 people per day die of starvation. So even the nature of mankind and the lack thereof is the fury of life. There's no forgiveness in nature. There's no grace. There is no prejudice. If you are in a tornado, it doesn't care if you're red and yellow, black and white, short or tall. 
it's going to rage itself upon you. Human nature isn't any better. With racism, adultery, cheating, lying, slavery, first come, first serve, revenge. And as we see in this passage of scripture that Paul writes and tells the church, and when we look at this passage, he writes to the church of Galatia and says, here are the things you need to watch out for. These are the things that are going to bring you down. And again, when we kind of pull this back and say, what does this have to do with the church? These are the things that pull the church back and not, and it doesn't allow us to be the church to its fullest extent. And then he introduces and says, but these things, which we call the fruit of the spirit, these things will make it better. Open up your Bibles or your apps or whatever you've got. And again, I'm old school, so I just like the Bible itself. And in chapter 5, verse 16 through 23, Paul writes this and says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire. And when we say flesh, we think of human nature itself. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition of one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you that those who practice these such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, I hear you, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there's no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. I just think it's very interesting that, that Paul writes and says, in the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law against it. That means you can't be too loving. You can be too lustful. Look at all the things that he put in there. All of those negative things that are of the flesh or of human nature, you can be too much of those things. There is law against those things. But there's no law about being too kind. Now, mankind itself, human nature will say, you're too nice of a guy. PJ, you're too nice. You need to toughen up. You're too loving. Bruce, you have too much patience. I mean, can you, that just sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? And if we were to say, and maybe this is something that I'd challenge you maybe this week, is take each of those fruit pieces of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, maybe scale yourself, do an assessment of a scale of one to 10. How great are you at those things? And maybe 
we need to pursue. Now, if the church itself, this is why it's different. That as an organization, as an institution, that the church itself, if we base our actions upon each of these things, we're winning. We're playing it right. That as the church, if we are loving mankind, if we think of all of those virtues, love, joy, peace, patience, all of those fruit of the Spirit, and we put them into action, we put them inside of each of our ministry, that upstairs we want, and what's going on right now, even with those children upstairs, and I just told my, my leaders up there, you know, one of the things that I say, that the, you've heard the old cliche, and even with youth ministry, the old cliche is, oh yes, we love our youth, we love our children, they're the future of the church. How many of you guys are guilty of saying that? They're, they're the future of the church. No, that's false. They're not the future of the church. They are the church itself. That from the babies to all of us as adults, that we treat each other not as anything different, but we are all together. And that as that ministry is going on upstairs, or whether or not that's Wednesday night in our, 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 our women's ministry, or that's Saturday, I'm putting in a plug here, Saturday at the church picnic, that all of those virtues that we're aspiring to be practicing those things, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things. How are we doing as a church with that? And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Even as a church leader, I'm guilty. Guilty in terms of life itself. The ethics and morality of Christianity is superior. The message of the church is superior to the message of nature. It's superior to the message of other cultures. Better than Rome's where might be made right. Better than the Greek culture and the caste system. Superior to a culture that says a father can murder his daughter for disgracing their family. Superior to a culture that says it's okay to neglect the poor lest you impact the experiences in their life. Superior to a culture that says boys are of greater value than girls. It's a message that should continue to shape and reshape American culture. And if we are going to make an impact in this culture, whether or not that is the, the American experience, the American culture itself, which is pushed against saying, no, we don't want any God, we don't want any church. That whether or not it's the state that's pushing things against or our local counties or cities, regardless. Again, there is no law. The beautiful thing is that there is not even a state or local national world law about being too loving to people. Not even in places like North Korea <laughs> or Cuba or you name the bad spot in the world. If you are kind, they're not gonna throw you in jail for being kind. If you are being patient, those things are never illegal. And when we are acting out, especially in our own lives, and like I said, I am guilty of these things. 
We have got to be strong that as the church itself, because individually, right, we make the team. We're all individuals, but we are one church. It's the message that should, again, shape and reshape American culture. It's the church that teaches these things. Every person you lock eyes on is made in the image of God, has value, should be treated accordingly, regardless, regardless. And this is hard, regardless of who they are. Trust me. I watched a documentary about Jeffrey Dahmer. And it's like, what a terrible human being. I look at people that are different than me. And in my world, it's a Portland Timbers fan. It's like, why are you wearing that jersey? It's like, and your child's wearing it too. That's child abuse. It's disgusting. <laughs> it takes practice. And every smile and every good morning. Let me do this. What if this week, all of us, you know, wherever we went, and I know that I go down to Parkland every, just about every morning, I go to this place, Parkland Bagels. And, 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 and what I've tried to do as a practice, again, this is not me patting myself on the back, but as a practice, I get to know people's names. The owner there, his name's Adam. He's from New York. New York. I'm getting my accent right. All of you guys from New York, from New Jersey. I love it. I love it. Because we don't see people from New York or New Jersey and Washington State. Everybody's just, we've got, all, you're probably from California, Oregon, or Washington. But all the, I love all these New Yorkers and all these people from different cultures that are here in South Florida. But Adam's from New York. Man, and I've become friends with him. And his family, his wife Holly, who owns it. I think about next door is Starbucks, right? Starbucks, do we have any other people that are part of the, uh, uh, yeah, like I don't like the Starbucks coffee, it's bitter, it's no good. I like my coffee from New York. <laughs> All of us West Coast people, we got, I had my Starbucks this morning, it's kind of what we do. <clears throat> and there's a girl that works there. I don't know, she's probably 20. Covered in tattoos, got piercings, and, and her name's Daisy. And every morning, good morning, Daisy. Thank you for the cup of coffee. And I've tried to do that, even with the grocery stores around here going to Walmart, just saying their name. The one thing that we all own is our name. Nobody could take it away from us. Nobody could steal it. But what if we just started saying thank you and just calling out their name? Thank you, Sophia. Being grateful. Locking eyes with even those homeless people that are on the side of the road asking for spare change. What if we started to lock eyes on with people that are different than us, regardless of, again, maybe their political affiliation or their religious affiliation and looking at them with the eyes of God. And if we have a hard time, then that's the thing we need to be praying for. God, help me to be able to see people. Help me to be able to look at JJ, even though I could look at JJ and see Jesus right through him, but see him with the eyes that come from God, how he sees every soul. The powerful should serve 
the powerless. How many would you just love that if our, if our leaders started to humble themselves and to serve the least of these like someone else we know did? Forgive because God has forgiven you. Again, that's not intuitive for us to just forgive people. The question is this for all of us. Let me just put an awkward pause in here. Who this week, who today, if you were just to take a gum wrapper and write down one name of a person, as painful as it is, it's painful, and forgive them. Write them a personal note saying, hey, we haven't talked in a while, but I want you to know I love you and I appreciate you. Maybe it's even a deeper wound to that. And it's saying, you gotta call somebody and just forgive them. Number four, give to those who can never give back. Sometimes we loan things out, some things we do, something. And how many of you are like me where we kind of work the system a little bit, you know? We work it out. I'm just gonna take care of this family over here because when the time comes, I'm going to help them move. But when the time comes, I know that I'm moving my trailer from the state of Washington. I'm going to have to move it twice into a storage unit into a house. And I know that if I can do a little bit here that I could kind of leverage and get them to do something for me there. Are we guilty of that? Amen. Come on. Amen. But maybe if we give and whether or not it's monetary or it's our time whatever that is, but if we're giving with nothing in return, no strings attached. Maybe we're giving and they, no one even knows who it was and being anonymous about it, being anonymous about our serving instead of patting ourselves on the back going, hey, I just want, can everybody just take a minute just to stop what you're doing? Check out what I'm, I'm gonna do right here. I'm going to go ahead and, let everybody know, I'm writing this check out right here. Check it out. Look what I did. We see that on Facebook all the time, right? It just drives me a little bit nutty. It's like people that are like, they show, like they take pictures of themselves doing service to others just so that the world can see how awesome they are. But maybe if we're doing things without any return. Husbands are to love their wives sacrificially. What was Jesus to the church? He was the head of the church. He is the head of the church. He's the head of every man, as scriptures talk about. But what did Christ do for the church? But he sacrificed himself. That even as husbands and fathers, let me call us out. Not that, again, my sisters aren't always perfect, but we know that, but hey, I'm gonna talk to my brothers right now. If you're a father, if you're a husband, are you serving your family well? Are you living sacrificially? Are you doing things for your family? Are you living things out the way that Christ would have you serve? Are you being kind and loving to your wife? When was the last time you authentically showed an expression of love to her and your children? When have you put your needs and wants behind so that they might have something? Do they see you as the living manifestation of Jesus? 
in the family. And finally, tolerance is not enough. We hear that word thrown around, tolerant. We gotta be more tolerant. We gotta be more tolerant. Loving is unconditional. That seeing through the eyes of God to all creation and all things, God is not tolerant of us. He loves us. And as disciples of Jesus, as the church, we have got to love authentically. Love the least of these. Love the broken, the outcast. I talk about this. I mean, I've talked about this for years. I've said this already with my, on Wednesday nights with our student ministry. But one of the most powerful pictures was in high school, I remember um, the cafeteria scene. This has always impacted my life. It, it transformed me when I saw this. The cafeteria would have a table, like third lunch, whatever it was, and it would be the ta table of special needs kids. Okay, and if you haven't been to a high school, normally that's how it is. I don't know if it's with every high school or not, but it was there. And there was kids, and we had a pretty, pretty hardcore group that was there. Some very low-functioning special needs kids. Wheelchairs. And there was always a group of volunteers, three or four, typically women that would be there helping them with their food and their lunch. And I remember one of our football players decided that he was going to have lunch with these kids. And a couple more football players joined him. Before long, the whole football team during the lunch would eat lunch with these kids. Is the church doing that? Are we looking for those opportunities? Have you met your next door neighbors? Last night I was out with my next door neighbors. <laughs> next door, somebody cut their cable. Um, and we were all out there. It's the first time I met a few of them. And uh, again, it's just a reminder for me. I need to be the church. I need to do things with my neighborhood. I need to do things, and whether or not that's the barista at Starbucks, regardless. Does the church matter? Absolutely. All of these things, the fruit of the Spirit, if the church isn't acting those things out in our culture, then we are not doing our job on the field. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of those pieces of scripture. We've got to be about that in our common day. If you are an employer, you've got to be that way to your employees. If you're an employee, you've got to be that way to your employer and your customers, your clients. When we're interacting with driving down, I mean, by the way, Florida drivers are, they're impressive. I mean, it's like, it's like Mario Kart out there. I'm going down Palmetto going, just, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's full of, but how are you even in our driving? Our behavior, our behavior online. How are you online? Are you showing the fruits of the spirit? Are you being the church online? God bless you. And again, we are, as a family, so blessed to be here. Um, it's gonna be an adjustment. So again, the fruits of the Spirit, thank you for your patience.
Um, I'm sorry if I mispronounce, and I'm still working on Boca Raton versus Boca Raton. I go back and forth going, did I say that right? Did I say, you know, Palmetto? Uh, did I say, uh, what's the word down south, Holly? The, what's, what's, the, what's the city? Pompano? Uh, Pompano? Pompano? I don't know. So again, it's, it's just getting used to these terms. Patience, thank you. And again, we are just so blessed to be here and looking forward to the days, weeks, months, and years with you guys. And um, man, we're going to have quite the ride, aren't we? Let's pray. God, I ask that you bless us this morning, and I thank you for how good you are. I thank you for giving us the gift of the church. I thank you for the relevance of the church. I, I, I thank you for the gift of us being the bride where we know that not just our eternal life is secure with you, but our life is better with you. God, I pray that you bless this congregation. I pray that each soul that is coming here this morning would be impacted in a new and wonderful way. I pray for each of the empty seats that are in this auditorium, that each empty seat represents a soul in our community that needs you, needs the gospel, needs to be taken care of by the church. I pray that you would embolden us, empower us. I pray that you would bring people into our natural path that might need you this week. The baristas, the coworkers, the employers, the bankers, the teachers, healthcare workers, that we could be on mission and intentional in our touch with them. God, we love you, Lord, and just pray that your will would be done And it's in your name we pray, amen.